We're just going to do this. We're just going to give this a shot. We're going to give this a shot. So, uh, yeah, let me start off here with show perfect courtesy toward all people. Titus 3 2. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I am your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week uh, we're breaking the rules, breaking the rules once more, breaking the rules all over the place by doing another brand new book. This is a new book. It's a really new book. Uh, that's, I mean, it's it literally just came out like the other day. Uh, I actually put off covering it because I had uh, we had other things to do. Uh, but I'm back. I'm alone. I don't have a guest this week because I'm lazy and I don't want to b- bother scheduling guests. My hair is a nightmare. Uh, it's greasy and I tried to do it, but never mind. If there's one thing, Alana, former guest of the show, past guest of the show, future guest of the show, likes to say it's that I don't need to spend the first 10 minutes of every episode talking about my hair. So I don't talk about my hair at all during the day. Like that's that's a thing. Like I don't I would never talk about my hair with with people. But for some reason when I when I record this show, I feel compelled to explain why my hair looks the way it does. And as Alana is always nice to point out, most people experience my show purely as an audio medium. They do not care what my hair looks like. But if you're watching this on YouTube, just know my hair looks the way it does because I am bad at doing my hair. I am I am I have never understood how people can do their hair every day. I just if it, it I have tried. I've tried to learn, uh, but it's never become more than just like two basic movements, like swoop the the hair this way and then the other side this way and then make sure it's flat in the back. And that's it. Like that's that's as much as I've ever been able to consistently figure out about doing my hair. I did go through a period of time in my life where never mind getting off track, getting off topic, brand new book in a series that I really, really in the past have enjoyed. That's right. So this week's book is the brand new for 2020. For the Berenstain Bears Gifts of the Spirit Politeness. Right, the Berenstain Bears, it's part of the Gifts of the Spirit series, a series which more often than not I am a huge fan of because it is a religious series that's not overtly religious, but it uses basic most it uses a lot of ethics to to teach lessons to kids about concepts that Berenstain Bears books have always touched on, but that this these books are explicitly about kindness. Uh I can't think of any other ones. Growing up. Like it's it's essentially like first time books, but if we're just eliminating the concept of plot altogether and just focusing on the 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 concept in question. And in this case, this year's this year's this week's book is this year's release. The Berenstain Bears Gifts of the Spirit Politeness. And from the cover, we can see that it seems to be a book about how awful Grizzly Gramps is at playing the violin. I assume that's what the whole book is going to actually be about. I I, I know for a fact that's actually what the book is going to be about because I've read the book and that's what the book is about so let's stop beating around the bush because this book gets into some this book gets into some some areas that i'm not like entirely comfortable with not not okay i i I should i should amend that it gets into some areas that i am not fully qualified to discuss mostly because I am not the most ethical person in the world, I guess is is what I should say. And this deals with questions of ethics that maybe I'm not qualified to talk about, question mark? I don't know. Uh, I guess you guys tell me when we get to it. Uh, so uh, you ready? Let's let's talk about this book. So Gifts of the Spirit, Politeness, which I own in hardback, by the way, but I also own in digital format just for you. 
just for you, my 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 viewers, my listeners. I got it in both formats so that I didn't have to photocopy the entire book and then scan it and then present it as a never mind. Uh gives of spirit politeness. So we see uh our comment, our our quote, show perfect courtesy toward all people, Titus 3-2. Titus is one of the three pastoral letters of Paul, by the way, in the in the uh in the testament of of, of Jesus Christ. Uh three pastoral letters that uh called that because they were written with the intention of being read and used by people who were in charge of of the spirit of of congregations like the people's the pastors essentially the people who were in charge of the the spiritual well-being so there's a lot of advice like personal advice it's also many scholars believe that these these letters were written a after paul had died by his followers and b intended to be a triptych of letters like they weren't actual letters that were sent out it's first timothy second timothy and the letter to Titus. Uh, instead, they were meant to kind of be the sort of examples that were meant to be read and then sort of passed out to churches all over the place. Titus 3, 2. Yeah, this, it, oh, obviously, it's not the entire quote uh, because that's the way this works. You you sort of pick and choose. Uh, the entire, uh, Titus 3 begins, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. So you can see how that's not really relevant to the book at hand. Uh, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good. And then part two begins, uh, section two, chapter Two, no, chapter three, verse two, verse two. Uh, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. So that is the uh, that's the New International Translation. This one says, show perfect courtesy toward all people, which is another translation. I've also seen, like, show deference to people. It, it, it's, it's one of those kind of vague words that gets, that's entirely dependent upon the translator. I think it's perfectly, perfectly fine for Mike to have picked and chosen this one. It, it exudes the concept of politeness, which is kind of what we're going to get into here. Like, it's kind of the, the concept of this book, but this book actually does politeness a uh, 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 an interesting service. It, it actually plays into the concept of politeness in a way that I hadn't seen covered in a Berenstain Bears book before. It gets into some real, like, what would Immanuel Kant think of this? Uh... Well, let's find out. What would Immanuel Kant think of this book? Uh, so, brother and sister love their grandparents. Now, this first page is fascinating. We see the brother and sister and honey running into the arms of their grandparents outside the grandparents' home, but we get a little bit of bear country architectural education here. It says, uh, they love to visit them at their cozy cottage, which had been built from the stumps and trunks of great trees. Doesn't fill us in entirely, but we see the Gramps and Grand house. It's clearly built into what seemed to be trees. And I just like that it's acknowledged, like that these there were these great trees in bear country that just massive old growth trees that had been, that these two seem to have grown together and that were then like chopped down, used for whatever. And then the, the stumps and trunks were hollowed out and made into this house. I don't know. It's it's not a whole lot of new information, but it's nice to see it acknowledged. This is this is kind of how they went about building the earlier houses in Beartown. Now we know that eventually houses in this part of the world were just built above ground, like just normal, like built, just built, like we build houses. It's kind of the Hobbiton thing. Like uh, people tend to think of the Hobbits as living in holes in hills in hillsides, but as the book clearly says, not the movie of Lord of the Rings, but as the books clearly go into, most Hobbits just lived in lived in houses. Houses, like above ground they weren't all only the rich hobbits and the very poor hobbits lived in holes in the ground and the rich because they had the money to hollow them out and make them into beautiful living spaces and the poor because that's all they could afford it's just 
literally just a hole in the ground. Uh, and then most everyone else just lived above ground in houses. So that seems to be the way the bears live. Is they the the old the people who've been there for the longest live in these converted trees, these stumps, these trunks, and then the the newer residents have actually had to build houses, presumably out of the wood that you've gotten from the tops of the trees that the original houses were built into. I don't know. In any case, uh, Gran, we see that they love Gran because she brings them cookies and teaches them about nature. Uh, not the honey cookies, by the way. These are chocolate chips, not our beautiful honey cookies. And then Gramps likes to share things like his his ships and bottles, which we've seen in the past. He likes to do magic trips, which we've... Have we seen Gramps do magic tricks? This seems to be cutting a little bit of the history of Gran out there, because Gran is the one who we've seen actually do magic. In the crystal ball caper, Gran can actually tell the future using an actual magical, actual crystal ball. I think it's I think it's cutting Gran's magic use out of the out of the storyline here. In any case, uh, Gramps also likes to tell jokes and stories. Does not say Gramps likes to rant about the government, which is another thing Gramps likes to do, or write angry, hate-filled screeds to the editors of the local paper, which is also something canonically Gramps likes to do. Uh, and this instead, he just seems to like lecturing the Cubs, probably about the value of respect, as we've seen in the past. Uh, Gramps. No, he tells jokes and stories. So one day, Mama and Papa drop the Cubs off at Gramps and Gran's house. So they don't drop them off. They go to visit Gramps and Gran. We see that Gramps and Gran have a cat. We don't ever get to really meet Gramps and Gran's cat, but I want to know more about this beautiful cat. It's a it's a it's a it's a golden colored cat with some white spots, white white markings on it. It's asleep on their porch. Uh, I want to know more about the Gramps and Gran cat. Anyone? Anyone else want to learn more about the cat? Mike, write more about Gramps and Gran's cat. They go to spend time at Gramps and Gran's house. They love doing it, and then this visit though shapes up to be something out of the ordinary because Gramps. Uh, comes into the living room holding a violin and they've set up chairs around the piano. And Gramps is like, hey, look, I found my old violin. I haven't played it in years, but I was the third second violin in the Big, big Bear High School Orchestra. The third... So he was not the he was not the second chair. He was the third bear at the second chair level in Big Bear High School. Now, speaking as someone who was third chair clarinet in high school, uh, which did not exist, so they had to give me the trombone part. Uh, go Gramps, I guess. Like, good for you. That's not bad. Like, second getting the second chair part, great. Big Bear High School Orchestra. He wants to have a recital, so. Mama and Papa look a little worried, which puzzles the Cubs, because Papa's like, hey, that's great. And Mama's like, yes, that's wonderful. But they don't look like they feel like it's great or wonderful. So Gramps has everyone sit down, and he and Gran, Gran begins playing the piano, which they know they love Gran's piano playing. And Gramps begins to play the violin. Now, the Cubs look, you know, intrigued and delighted to be hearing their grandfather play music for the first time uh, ever that they've ever heard. And the parents look uh, distressed, worried, I guess is a good a good way to put it. Uh, and then Gramps launches into uh, the most awful rendition of anything they've ever heard. It says, the Gramps began to play. It was quite a shock. Mama and Papa gritted their teeth. The Cubs' jaws hung open. Gramps was terrible. He sawed and scraped. Horrible screeching and yowling noises came from his violin. It was positively painful. Finally, the screeching came to an end. Oh no, finally he came to a screeching end. And we see Gramps sawing away at the violin, his his shirt collar flying, the, the cubs and the and, and the and the and the parents looking shocked. We see a nice little insert where mama is freaking out so much she has gripped uh sister bear around the neck 
and has her in basically a a a, a choke a panicked chokehold. The music is so bad; it's a delightful picture. If I ever got a Berenstain Bear, Bears tattoo, it would be of this insert. Papa holding his hands to his ears. Uh, brother and Honey just shocked to their core, and Mama with an expression that looks like she would rather bite her own tongue out than listen to this music anymore. And Graham's just looking like he's having a grand old time. He finishes. He says, "Pretty good, huh?" I may not be another. Is it Joshua, Joska, Joshua Barefits, but not too bad. And this is a reference, of course, to Heifetz, a very famous violin player. So we know now that there is a that that there is a a bear named Barefits, which is a which is a parody of Heifetz. And we see this beautiful drawing of Heifetz or Barefits playing the violin in Gramps' mind. And he's like, yeah, I'm not the greatest player in the world, but I'm not too bad. Now the three cubs are about to say, no, Gramps, that was awful. But Mama and Papa are giving them the like, uh, uh. Like, no, shh, 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 don't, uh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And then Papa's all, that was good. And Mama takes a deep breath. Yes, so good. And the cubs are like, were Mama and Papa crazy? Gramps' violin playing was terrible. And it's a similar reaction to, there's a great moment in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where uh, in the, uh, it's in the book and it's in the, it's in the original radio show, but it's played very well in the actual, the original TV's miniseries uh, where the Vogon reads his poetry, which is of course the worst poetry, the third worst poetry in the universe. Uh, and he finishes the poem and he says, now tell me how good you thought my poem was. There's a beat and Arthur goes, oh, I liked it. And Ford goes, what? Like it's this great response. He like stretches his neck out and says, it's, it's wonderful, which is kind of how the, the Cubs are responding. Like Papa's like, oh, it was good. And the Cubs are like, and then Grant's like, yeah, it's time for dinner. So they sit down to dinner and the Cubs are like, why did you say Gramps' violin playing was good? It was awful. And Papa's like, I know, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I was being polite. Now the Cubs suddenly have a quandary. They had always learned that being polite was saying platitudes, like please and thank you and you're welcome. But they didn't realize that it was also polite to pretend someone playing the violin poorly was a good thing. Uh, so Gramps is like, how about an encore? And the Cubs are like, nah. But the parents cut him off. Gramps plays another terrible number. And sister's like, that was good, Gramps. And brother says, yes, so good. Now we are, now, now we are in what is called an ethical quandary because... This is where the question of lying comes in. Uh, the question of what, what lying is, what lying is used for, or what are there degrees of lying, and is it ever okay to lie? Now, if you're looking at someone like Immanuel Kant, Kant, he would say, no, of course not. You should never lie. He was like an absolutist on this. No matter what, if you lie, you're treating a person, I can't remember how he phrased it, like you're treating a person as an object, essentially. You're, tre you're, tre you're treating them as like a piece uh, in, the, in, the, in the puzzle to your happiness. Happiness. And you should always, always, always be absolutely 100% honest because otherwise you're simply using another person as a means to an end. And that ends being like your own, your own comfort. But there's also the theory that a white lie is, is healthier and better than the truth at times, because in order to say like, if a lie, okay, so what is a lie? A lie is any any attempted deception. Mitzi and I were discussing this the other day because she asked if it was possible for animals to lie, and we looked it up. And there have been scientific studies that show that certain uh, certain primates are capable of, of of subterfuge, and certain corvid are capable of subterfuge. Now, clearly, they don't have language, but they are able to do things to deceive other members of their species into thinking that like food is unavailable when they know it for a fact that it is, to hide things, to play tricks on each other. That subterfuge 
refuge, that's deceit. And in the in the in the broadest possible term, that is lying. Uh, there's also lying by omission, where you tell the truth, but you leave out certain details in order to manipulate the outcome of what you're saying. There's lying by telling the truth, uh, which is which is telling the truth when you know it will get the outcome that people assume the truth should get. Like it's it's very complicated, but you're still manipulating this. It's still a form of deception. And there's white lies where you are lying for, not for your own personal benefit, but for the benefit of someone else. Now, in the grand scheme of things, a lie, any kind of de deliberate deception, any kind of untruth is, and, and that doesn't include things like, I thought I was telling the truth, but my information was incorrect. Like that does, it doesn't include that. Uh, although I think, Kant would say that was just as destructive. Like it's not, it's up to you to be as informed as you could possibly be. And that could have very destructive outcomes if it's like a person, like a doctor or a, you know, like a politician, like making decisions based on uh, bad information. But in any case, uh, a white lie. So, okay. So in the, in the, in the case we're talking about, uh, we aren't talking about a case. In case, okay, if we're looking at a lie as any form of subterfuge, any form of deceit, any form of not telling the absolute truth, then things like, how's it going? And you saying, oh, fine, when you're not fine, that's technically a lie. And Kant, being an absolutist, would say, unacceptable. That's a lie. You shouldn't say oh, you're fine if you're fine. However, that's not taking into account the fact that how's it going or how you doing is 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 in itself a lie in the in that it is a turn of phrase it's not meant to specifically ask how a person is doing it's a code it's a societally approved code for uh, as a greeting it's like hey hello or or i am I'm happy to see you, but we say, how's it going? How you doing? Just as a, as a, as a, in a colloquial way of saying hello. Uh, so in that way, you're not lying in response to that person because the, the greeting and the return to the greeting are, are understood to not be literal questions and answers. They are turns of phrase. Uh, so that's not a lie. And in that case, a white lie can be similar because if say, okay, I looked up a whole thing on the ethics in nursing. I tend to go back to nursing a lot because that's a profession where people have really thought about ethics. There's reasons they did this whole study a couple of years ago. I believe in, uh, I want to say Iran, uh, in, a, in, a, in a professional setting where they, they, they questioned all these nurses about why and when and to whom they tell lies, white lies, uh, lies that aren't intended to cause harm, but they're intended to be, you know, to help out. Some of this is like, there's no point in like, we're trying to get this person to go through with their therapy so we don't want to lie to them we don't want to tell them the truth and say like this therapy only has a 20 percent chance of working because it could work and if you tell them that then they're going to there's a good chance knowing that if you especially if you're on a good relationship with the patient knowing that they'll give up so you you fudge the you 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 tell a white lie you say oh it's a really good chance things like that or like differences in in cultures where you know that they they need to take certain steps but their cultural practices would prevent them from taking those steps. So you you tell little white lies just to get them over the hump, to get them better. Things like that, uh, where you're like, I'm trying to help this person. So I'm going to tell them little white lies to sort of move them along the path. Uh, like there's things like that. So you're literally saving a life. But also, if you're telling a white lie to someone to spare their feelings, like say someone's like, oh, you do a show, you go to see a performance and a person comes up to you afterwards and like, so what did you think? And you're like, oh, it was great. It was great. When it was like the most awful performance you've seen in your life similar to what Gramps is going through, you, you, and, and ethically you weigh your response. Like if it's a really, really good friend who you know is like, I'm literally looking for constructive feedback on this. I need to know how I did. Then you could be more honest and be like, oh, 
you know, like I, I've seen you do better or that thing you were working on. I didn't see you doing that. Or like, this was good, but like, I, I think you can, you know, if they're, if they're honestly looking for feedback, but if they're a person that you know is looking for reassurance, that they're kind of headed in the right direction or that they just, they're doing this for fun and they want to know that you had a good time. There's no reason to be bluntly honest with them. So you say, yes, because the question itself, how, how, what'd you think? isn't an honest question like there's a lie there too the 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 question may very well be a code for boost me up pick me up make me feel good oh i have i'm having anxiety about what i just did please please tell me something that'll make me feel better reassure so you're decoding what they're saying now of course there's there's people in the world who will not understand why you would even do this why speak in code like this it's colloquial it's it's cultural it's not direct, but it is direct in a way if everyone understands the code. Uh, so in that regard, what Mama and Papa might be saying is there's no reason to 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 be cruel to be mean to be bluntly honest with your grandpa he's not trying to get into a conservatory he's not like about to perform in front of hundreds of people he's doing something because he enjoys it it's similar to if someone made cooked for you and you did not enjoy the food but you knew they'd worked so hard on it and they were doing it out of love and they were doing it to share something they were excited about with you why would you say this was terrible because that's not what they're doing it for they're not doing it to be critiqued on cooking they're doing it as a show of love and so the what you do back is you show love to them by just showing appreciation for what they did uh and if that means a little white lie like i liked it a lot i'm so glad you did that for me that's kind of what gramps is doing he's not performing as if he's in carnegie hall he's performing out of love for his family he loves the violin he's just rediscovered it he wants to show people that he can play he knows he's not that great he's no high fits but he he does it anyway and the bears the mama and papa understand that it's more important to encourage him uh, in his playing and to tell someone you love and who loves you that what they're doing has value and value to you. That even if you don't enjoy the sound of it, it's the sentiment. You enjoy the fact that he's giving it to you in some way. Uh, that's that's like that mature, you're looking past the concrete result and you're, you're looking more at the gesture. That's what adults do. Uh, and that's what the kids are learning. So they're like, it was good, Gramps. It was so good. Now, Gramps is no fool. He gives them a hug and then he's like, I know you're just being polite. It's nice of you to say it. I know I'm a bit rusty, but I'm going to practice and I'll get better. You just watch. But thank you for being so patient and polite. And this is something that teachers you know, there's there's different kinds of teachers. There's like especially especially artistic teachers, like teachers in music and acting and dance. There's the ones who are constantly berating you and only comp and only paying you positive feedback if you like go above and beyond. And then there's the ones who are just strongly encouraging you, constantly building you up to con to encourage you to continue work going along the line you are to continue to work. It's different schools and people respond differently to different things. I don't respond well to like harsh criticism. I tend to close off. And I had teachers who learned that. Um, uh, but Gramps is clearly saying, I, I, I get what you're saying. I know that you're lying. I know that you're telling me a white lie to make me feel better. And it's work. Thank you for being so patient. I love that he says, thank you for being so patient. This isn't the this isn't gifts of the spirit patient, but it is about being patient with another person who is learning. That's very hard to be as a parent, as a, as a child, go having gone to like 
many, many piano recitals where there are kids who are just struggling through their pieces, that patience and politeness as an audience, like legitimately paying attention to what a child is doing or an adult is doing as they're working through. Like last night, I went to a storytelling event with just sort of a half-formed idea in my head about the story I was telling because I'm working on something new. And I told the people at the beginning, this is a new idea I just sort of came up with and I'm I'm working on this and I'm going to workshop with it. And I, I didn't even have an ending. And I said, like, I don't have an ending, so that's it. They were very patient. They were very nice. They, I, I, they didn't seem to enjoy, like, a lot of what I said. Uh, but I would say that that was very useful as well, like, to have people patiently sit through something I'm working on. It's hard sometimes. But Gramps is grateful. So he's polite as well. He doesn't call them out. He accepts the compliment. He doesn't say, ah, I know I'm, I'm, I stink. No, he's like, thanks so much for saying that. I know I'm, I'm, it's nice. I know I'm rusty and I know you're being polite. But thanks for being polite. That's a good way. So what we're seeing is this, we're seeing an understood contract and a reciprocation on the part of both the parties. We see, we see the Cubs, we see Mama and Papa being polite. We see the Cubs taking their example and asking them about it and then being polite in return. And we see Gramps being polite in return to that in his response and in his acceptance. As I talked about, I was talking about with Mitzi, she was, she was talking about how good it felt to pay compliments to her circus uh, classmates last night. And she was like, I love paying compliments to people. And I said, oh, how do they respond? And she couldn't really remember. And I was like, because sometimes it's even harder to accept a compliment. And she said, yeah, it's true. And we talked about how like, when someone pays you a compliment, part of the agreement is that you are as gracious and accepting as they are in, in, in giving. Because I can't remember who it was. An actor was like, they were paying somebody a compliment and the uh, about their performance. And the person was like, oh, you know, it wasn't that great. I was a little off. And they said, stop, stop, stop. Just say thank you. Just say thank you. And the person was all, thank you. And they're like, you're welcome. That's how you accept a compliment. Like you have to be, have to be taught that. But it's rude to contradict somebody's compliment as well. So you don't want to be, you want to be rude. You want everyone to feel better at the end of the day, I guess. is It's the Berenstain Bears philosophy and way of life. Like at the end of the day, we just want people to feel good about themselves and to know they have their, your support and that you've got their back. And that's kind of what Gramps is saying here. Thanks for being patient and polite. I'm going to keep working at this violin. And he does. Uh, uh, he practices the violin and he gets better. But it's, it's, he still knows Jasha, Jasha Barefits. And Gersley Gramps actually has a has a painting of Barefits hanging up above his fireplace, I guess, who looks appalled at Gramps' playing. And it's actually a very cute final image in the book. And Mama and Papa uh, don't look thrilled listening to Gramps play, but he is better. His, his, his technique has gotten better. The notes around his head aren't as jaggedy. And, uh, you know... And his eyes are closed and he seems to be enjoying what he's doing. And at the end of the day, supporting someone for who enjoy, who is who, supporting someone's interests, even if they're not great at them, is one of the smallest things we can do, I guess, is 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 just saying congratulations, saying I'm so proud of you, saying that must have been hard, saying I'm so happy you're doing something you love. That's all you got to do. You don't have to love it yourself. You don't have to even think it's very good. But we all have to be neighbors with each other, and we all try to be good people. So uh, that is the Berenstain Bears' Gifts of the Spirit Politeness. It's so wild that it's politeness, because this could fall under patience. It could fall under kindness. It could fall under a lot of these headings, but I like that it's politeness. I like the concept of being polite 
by telling a lie. And that's something, I don't know. I do feel like there's conversations to be had with your kids as far as this is concerned. They might have questions about like, wait a minute, this is isn't this lying, mom and dad? Like, isn't this what you tell us not to do? So have conversations about why the bears might have told their cubs it's okay to lie. Have conversations about why it would have been bad, you know, counterproductive, uh, rude to insult Gramps' playing. Uh, and how if you don't have something nice to say, just smile and nod. Just smile and nod. Uh, or just say, we love you so much, Gramps. Give him a hug. Like you know, We've all been there. We've all been to shows friends have done. We've all been to recitals where the person wasn't great. And it was hard even to pretend to have enjoyed it. So you find those things you say, uh, I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm so happy I saw this. Things like that. These are tricks of the trade, by the way. Uh, but you know what? 99 times out of 100, even if it's not great, it's still worth seeing. Like that's just one of those. It's always worth seeing people working their hardest at, at doing something. So uh, yeah, as the Baron St. Bear's Gifts of the Spirit Politeness, brand new book. Pick it up. I like it. I like the illustrations. Uh, I like the faces on the mama and papa. I like the fact that they are not crazy about Gramps' playing. Uh, and I like the I like the I like the message. And I like Gramps' response. And I like the notion that Gramps keeps working at it and he gets better. He doesn't get great. But again, he's not gonna play at Carnegie Hall. He's just playing for his family because it's something he loves. So give it a shot. Gives the spirit politeness. It's available in hardback or in uh, digital. Uh, please support the Gifts of the Spirit series. Mike has always has been frustrated at how low the sales have been. And these are beautiful hardbacks. Uh, they look great on a bookshelf next to each other. I love them. You should love them. Everyone should love them. Listen, buy them. Great. It's good. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching if you're watching on YouTube. You can find all of my podcasts on YouTube, uh, Deep in Bear Country, Pizza Toast, which I do with Christy Admiral. We're coming back in a little bit with a new series. And uh, what's that one called? It's Del Toro Time that I do with my daughter, Willow. Uh, where we work, we're working right now through short stories. We'll be going back to horror movies and other kinds of movies. I think our next movie is actually supposed to be a comedy. So uh, we'll be back with that. But those are all, everything we do is on YouTube. So you can check that out if you want to watch a shimmy and shake. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll see you all next time deep in uh, bear country. Goodbye.